You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Reporting is eligible is proudly supported by Appleton Coffee Company. They're a small local roaster in Appleton, Wisconsin, and I make a pot of their Packerland breakfast blend just about every morning. I also have a very large bag of the barrel-aged coffee that I enjoy on the weekends. If you go to appletoncoffee.com and use code RAE at checkout, you'll save yourself 10% and you will support the show. Once again, that's appletoncoffee.com, code RAE at checkout. If it's not now, then tell me when would be the time she would stand up and be a man. Folks to lose, I could accept, but to surrender, I just wept and regretted this moment. Oh, but I, I don't know. Hey everybody, welcome to Reporting is Eligible. I'm Paul Noonan, and uh, this is, of course, the postseason show, I suppose. Uh, post-playoff loss, <laughs> um, the uh, the Packers dropped a heartbreaker to the 49ers. It was an asinine loss, as they always have in the playoffs. Um, uh, the, the only positive was I got to meet Matt at halftime, so there's that. But uh, it was bad. It was uh, bad in, I don't know, 12 different ways I think I counted so far. And uh, to help me break down <laughs> the, the dozen or so ways that the Packers probably should have won the game, uh, first in urban Wauwatosa, as per usual. Hey, it's J.R. Radcliffe, trending sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. I uh, I did something like that with the Seattle game a few years ago where I found 15 things, and they were like, they were not small things. They were not like minutia. It was, if this play goes differently, I think the Packers win the game. Uh, a couple of them are a little weird, like if they if they win the coin flip in overtime or something. But uh, <laughs> I don't know if this is quite that level of of man. If just one thing goes right, but uh, but damn, that was uh, that was a tough one. IJSonline.com. Yeah. I did a a power ranking misery index. You of sure the, did uh, the Packers playoff losses. This one's this one's six, I think. Um, <laughs> it has a case to go higher, depending on what comes next. What comes next informs this loss quite a bit in my mind, but. Uh, that was a that was a tough hang. That was a tough hang. Uh, six is, I mean, just a testament to how crushing Packer playoff losses <laughs> have been. It's kind of incredible because that was a real kick in the nuts. Um, and uh, Ma- Matt, why don't you br- bring it on in? <laughs> I'm in the business. I'm in the business of misery. Let's take it from the top. She's, She's got, got a body, body like, like an hourglass. <laughs> like what, what what's happening here? I wasn't expecting okay. this. My name is Matt, but you can call me Matub. Acme Packing Company, Meme Weaver, and General Twitter Rabble Rouser. My voice is this way because I was yelling Sam. and getting loud at Lambo yeah. the way you are supposed to. So we get the deep voice Matub for the second time in three weeks. I am here but, for it. But, but this one is all natural. I have a gr- <laughs> I have a great business idea, by the way, for games like this that the Packers should definitely do. Um, yeah, one of the problems with games like this is it's hard to clap loud with gloves. Uh, most gloves do not make loud noises when you clap loud but i had these awesome like chopper mittens and they were loud as hell and the packers should do a giveaway in cold playoff games of loud gloves for clapping 
you know, we've had boomsticks. It's not like you can't do it. You're not allowed to. They should absolutely make that happen. It it would uh it would make the experience a lot better. Annoying, but better. Or or r- roll roll with me for a yeah, second. Yeah, yeah. Green green and yellow boozellas. <laughs> I'm gonna not roll with you there. No, there's <laughs> or or build a fucking dome. No, no, Shut no. Up. It wasn't even bad. Like Matt, were you cold? I was not cold during the game. No, I was not. I was not cold. So the the trick was, um, I wore my um, wind cutting thin jacket as a base layer, and that was it. Like like you cut out the wind, you're good. Yeah, I I and I had a gator built into my built into my shirt. Yeah, I I layered and um, it was fine. I didn't even have to use chemical heaters. I brought forty of them, anticipating I would, and it just wasn't that bad. (laughs) Um, and there was not that much wind. I know it maybe looked like it because of the little tiny snowflakes in the second half, but it was pretty still. Like, offense should not have struggled as much as it did for both teams because of the weather. That's not what happened. Yeah, it was not. It was not swirly. It was yeah. not windy. Yep. It, it was just cold. Indeed. I don't actually believe the dome take, by the way, but uh, Mita Kimes was answering the what's the one sports take that you think is crazy, but kind of believed like to get the oh, most yeah. out of Josh Allen, they should build a dome in Buffalo. And like, I haven't, I've thought about that a lot. Like, of course, especially after seeing Josh Allen and the chiefs go at it, uh, build a dome and, and so, g- get, you know, Aaron Rodgers level production for the next 15 years out of that quarterback. Lambeau has definitely cost them playoff games for sure. Um, it, the giants games, I think they win in a dome. So I, I think it's a legit take. Shit, they win this. They win this game in a dome. Uh, yeah, do they? I, you know what they do win this game in a dome. You're right yeah, because, because Mason can kick further, um, and and so can so can Corey. Yep. And uh, Aaron Rodgers maybe puts enough on it to hit Devontae in stride. Yeah, yeah. Or and Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones in stride. In stride. Good call. Right. All right. So fine. The I dome. just assume Aaron Rodgers is much better in a dome, like all the way across the board. So. Uh, a little while ago on Acme Packing Company, while bored, we look up like stats because we're weird. Um, I do that all the time. So I, yeah. I we were we were talking about how Aaron Rodgers seems to own Jerry World. This was around the time that they announced that the Super Bowl might be at AT and T Stadium. Yep. Um, and we looked it up, and it turns out that Aaron Rodgers in September is better than Aaron Rodgers at Jerry World. Yeah. So also true. There you go. Uh, all right. I just hate losses like this. Because, Where do we start? Yeah, I know. Um, it, it's such a crappy thing to see them play so badly on offense and then see Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen the next day, like just effortless, effortlessly score a million touchdowns too. Just yeah, annoying. But that was that that was arguably one of the best playoff games. It was great. Time. It was fantastic. I, I would have rather gone to that game a thousand times over. Um, so uh, anyway, I've I've got this structure to sort of a list of things that I think made a material difference in them winning or losing. And uh, I think the first one we can start with pregame, which was uh, I'm sitting around the stadium and I, I'm looking at Twitter and I see Rob Domofsky tweet that Billy Turner starting at left tackle and Dennis Kelly starting at right tackle. And I out loud say, what the hell? <laughs> what, what is going on there? So um, it's pretty clear they expected David Bakhtiari to play and he didn't. And instead of just plugging in Yosh Nyman, like they've done all season, they do this sort of gymnastics where they move Billy Turner to left tackle, even though he doesn't play left tackle very much. And they go with Dennis Kelly at right tackle. Um, And I think it unquestionably cost them the game to do that because Dennis Kelly was an absolute disaster at right tackle. 
Uh, it was it was awful. It was terrible, and I still don't know why they did it, and I don't know if anybody's asked them about asked them about it yet. Um, so I don't know. Bad. Um, We've subsequently learned Aaron Negler had an interview with David Bakhtiari today about his knee. Um, got an exclusive with him, and um, he's apparently got fluid on it. But it doesn't explain why they thought he was going to play up right up until game time. So um, it was awful. And I think if Bakhtiari plays or Yosh Nyman plays, they probably win the game. I don't know. Any disagreements? I do, I do not disagree. Okay. <laughs> so... Here's, I have a couple thoughts here. So Dennis Kelly on the first drive, I thought was actually pretty good. His seal is what helps AJ Dillon score that touchdown when they were seemingly unstoppable coming down the field. But but it, it deteriorated after that. It wasn't just Dennis Kelly. It was across the board. I think that what what sticks out to me is Billy Turner coming off an injury. You know, you forget he's missed a bunch of games. You're going to throw him in at left tackle, right? Where we all know right, <laughs> we all know he's better at right tackle. Like we all know that. That's not that's not a secret. I feel like maybe they went with ex- with experience over raw talent because because Yash Nyman has obviously never been in that spot. That might that might be what they I think. I think what it actually was was Matt LaFleur was in quiz mode and his brain turned into tapioca and, <laughs> and c- couldn't remember that BJ Raji got an interception in the NFC Championship game, except he put Billy Turner at left tackle. I just, it, it doesn't even seem like you're going against chemistry in addition to, to talent here. Like Billy Turner is better than Yosh Nyman is, but. You know, you're asking now. You're asking a bunch of guys to play in uncomfortable spots. Like, yes, Dennis totally. Kelly plays, and Dennis Kelly, by the way, is a better run blocker than pass blocker, and he was fine when they were running on their first two drives. And um, AJ Dillon was still healthy, um, foreshadowing. Um, but uh, once they had to go <laughs> to the pass a little bit more, he, he made Nick Bosa. I mean, Nick Bosa can make himself a factor, but that was a huge mismatch that they exploited over and over again. Uh, and uh, you know if you're gonna go with Dennis Kelly out there, you got to help him more, which he he, he just didn't do n- nearly enough of. I mean, when Yosh plays, he gets a lot of help. Dennis Kelly did not get a lot of help, and and I don't know why they were so slow to react to the fact that Aaron was just getting killed back there. Um, uh, it just bizarre on coaching level, on a personnel level, on a uh, on every single level, and a bad way to start things off. And the tragedy of it is you, you, this injury that David Bakhtiari suffered now essentially cost you two playoff games. We, I think we agree that he would have been the difference in the Buccaneers game last year. Yep, and he was yes. unable to get on the field for meaningful football this year. Not only that, you have to wonder, was it the wrong thing to play him against Detroit? We'll never, we'll never know that. Maybe, maybe it's moot. Maybe it happens this way either way, but did he, you know, did, did that cause discomfort that made it impossible so, for him to suit up for this game? In the, in the interview with Nagler, he mentions the Detroit game. Um, he says he did well. And then the Thursday, a few days later, they took like 90 cc's of fluid out of his knee, which is just an insane amount of like, like, uh, he said that Brian Balaga had 30 cc's of fluid removed from his knee at one point. So that's, uh, it's a lot, a lot of fluid. I mean, in, in Mario Kart, you have 50 cc engines. So, I mean, that's twice that. <laughs> and, and then you have to wonder, does, does that porousness lead to because ultimately this game i think you'd agree we, we could talk about special teams too but it's it's lost because aaron Rodgers wasn't wasn't good enough to single-handedly win a game as he has yeah. done millions of times over in a game that was only yeah. 13 to 10 is aaron Rodgers' jumpiness is his inability to do his job as well because he w- had to be concerned about what was coming around I right think, tackle i think the mercedes fumble broke his brain 
<laughs> yeah, which I don't, was, I don't see that as the the flashpoint everybody else. He does, was but. <laughs> he was nails until the Mercedes fumble. This brings us to number two, which is the Mercedes the, the the fumble streak. I think we should call it because there's the Mercedes fumble. That was three plays in a row. Yes, which the Mercedes fumble was a fumble. I, I think we all we all agree it was a fumble. There was not a lot of ambiguity mm-hmm. there. On the next play, Debo Samuel fumbled on a carry, but was ruled to have his forward progress stopped. And it, you know that's a judgment call. I don't blame. The officials too much for that. It was definitely a you know a scrum situation and whistles get blown. But on the very next play after that, um, we had a Brandon Ayuk reception and fumble that was very similar to the Mercedes Lewis reception and fumble. Uh, he took he took more steps than Mercedes. He did. certainly made a football move. That. I was also very upset. So Matt and I were in the stadium. I've watched it since then. I still think it was a fumble. Um, and more more than that, it was ruled a fumble on the field. Um, and they overturned it, which is additionally ridiculous. I mean, th- there was certainly not enough video evidence to conclusively overturn the play. So um, that was ridiculous. But um, I, I actually do kind of agree with Matt. I, I do think uh, but prior to Mercedes fumble, they had not had a third down. Um, the Packers had moved effortlessly down the field um, and not even taken to third down to convert a first down. And when this happened, uh, I don't know if it was just coincidence that the script ended when this play happened or what, but their offense became much less dynamic, much more predictable, and uh, just a, a series of throwing into the teeth of a cover two shell over and over again. So um, don't know what caused it, but it definitely caused it. And if if the Mercedes fumble doesn't happen, and there was, I mean, it's a fumble, it's a fumble, that's fine. Um, they, I think, obviously win the game. Uh, if the Ayuk fumble is not overturned, um, that's the difference of the Packers having it at the San Francisco 39, which is where Chris Barnes returned it to, versus the Packers 16 after the punt that the 49ers did. Um, that is a huge difference, probably at least a field goal, and also probably the difference in the game. So I also think that one is huge. It's annoying. I, I The reason I don't, I don't point to that quite as much is just and this is not novel or anything, just where they were in the game. Super early. Again, yes, they've had one amazing drive. They moved the ball and they fumbled it. But there's no reason to think that the next drive is going to be the start of this long-tenured terribleness where they can't get into gear on offense. (laughs) So they had a lot of time to adjust. They had a lot of time to figure out what wasn't working. And the 49ers are the ones who, who got better. I think they were going to get better. At, no matter what happened, no matter how the Mercedes or the various fumbles that came thereafter shook out. Now, you can't argue, certainly with the Barnes thing, that they would have been in position to score points that would have been crucial. But, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe it was always destined that they were going to get s- stuck in neutral and maybe maybe they don't even score from the 40. I don't know. Uh, but uh, they had a lot of time. They had a lot of time to figure that out. Yeah, I, I, I just cannot point to a first quarter whoopsie as the reason that they <laughs> lost the game. If we're close to halftime, absolutely. But if it's just uh, they had so well, much time. Well, speaking of close to halftime, <laughs> yes. Paul, Paul and I are standing in the atrium having a beer and and uh, <laughs> uh, we're like, well, uh, so the missed field goal <laughs> is pretty freaking big, right? Like, yeah. Yes. Uh, that one was obviously huge. Let's skip around a little bit, but um, special teams reared its ugly head throughout the game, and um, obviously the Mason missed field goal is huge. I mean, there's no, there's no it, when you miss a field goal at the end of the half, there's no knock-on effects. You know, you either get three points or you don't. There's no kickoff afterwards, no field position swing or anything, and that's just three points that the Packers didn't have for no good reason. Um, and it, in our 
consistent, like, what is Maurice Drayton doing wrong? This is a Maurice Drayton doing something wrong, I think. I mean, you can blame Tyler Tyler Lancaster for not executing, yeah. but... Yeah, Tyler Lancaster hasn't executed all year. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you got to fix this. And this is... Stands there. This is one of the most basic pre- precepts of field goal and, and punt blocking, which is if you're on the end and there's two guys coming at you, you block the inside guy. You let the outside guy go. He has further to go to block the kick. Tyler Lancaster blocked nobody. He, he just ran between the two guys coming at him. And the inside rusher got the, got the kick. That's what happens. That's why you do that. And you just can't do that. Um, it, that is a failure of execution and coaching, doing the wrong thing again on special teams. Three points, gone for no good reason. Awful. And like many have noted, it's Jimmy Ward, there's you know a starting member starting, of the secondary yep. who makes makes the block. It's Debo Samuel who's running the ball to the fifty yard line on a kickoff return on a drive that ends in three points. Like I don't think that necessarily introducing more starters. We talked about this. Like there's only so many guys you could put on that unit. They they had put a couple, Rasul Douglas among them. I don't know if it solves their issues or whatever. But the 49ers were not leaving a lot to chance by having two of their more important players playing key roles on special teams. Yeah, and the Packers tried to emulate I mean, this uh, by putting AJ Dillon on special teams, who <laughs> while while covering a kickoff. Sure. Had Oren Burks land on him with his knee and break his ribs. And A.J. Dillon was lost for the game at that point uh, after having a pretty good start to the game. And not that Aaron Jones is bad, but uh, (laughs) A.J. Dillon was dragging people into the end zone from six yards out. And that was a skill set that they could have used later. So, um, again, blew up in their face. Maybe a good idea, but did not work out. And, uh, you know, if you have better special teams, maybe you don't have to have A.J. Dillon on kickoff coverage. That too, a true a true damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, and, and moreover the, the the field goal attempt. I mean, it should have been seven points, and you can blame I don't know Aaron Jones weirdly cutting yes, inside on a guy. Absolutely blame Aaron. It's Aaron, Aaron Jones. Jones' fault. I guess you could blame the throw, but yeah, that was Aaron Jones. I the don't throw understand. could have been a little bit better, but uh, if so, if Aaron, if Aaron Jones is a wide receiver there. Um, I think he catches it in stride without turning weirdly and just bolts totally. in the end zone. But aside from that, um, Aaron Jones did not have to try and deke out Jaquiski Tart. Um, time's running down. You got to make the end zone or get out of bounds. You don't cut it back inside. And he, that's the absolute one thing you can't do is run yourself into a tackle back on the field. So he did that. They should have at least had a much closer field goal try. Um, they should have had more time on the clock by virtue of him getting out of bounds. And yeah, it probably cost him a, a, a t- well, it cost him seven because they missed a field goal, <laughs> um, but a, ch- a good chance at seven. And I don't know what Aaron Jones was thinking. He's he can out sprint guys. He's very fast. Um, just a bizarre choice there for for no good reason at all. Uh, hated it live. Knew it would cost him too. Matt, uh, Matt LaFleur is taking the blame for a lot of this, for everything from special teams, which whatever, Murray Straighton's <laughs> not coming back. I think we all we all, we all know that. Uh, but he's taking the blame on everything. And obviously, you're the head coach. Of course, you're going to get some of it. How much, though? How much do you think that's fair? How much is he just covering for other issues, for his players, for his other coaches? Uh, how much How much falls on Matt LaFleur in your mind? I think. I think kind of a lot. Um, I, I When I re- rewatched the game, by the way, I rewatched the game, which... I just want to mention because I deserve some credit for it, uh, maybe like plenary <laughs> credit. Um, I, I expected to see a lot more of other receivers other than Adams running open because there were some high-profile examples of that. Uh, there's that the 
uh, the, the last shot he takes to, to Adam is where Lazard is cutting over the middle and open on that same play. Equinemius St. Brown is wide open deep. Um, there was a another Lazard open where they were trying to pick on Josh Norman. Uh, and those all got highlighted immediately. But if you go and watch the game again, after the first uh, two series, they just have a, a bunch of bizarre passing play calls where um, the 49ers are playing just sort of this cover two shell, trying to get the Packers to throw underneath. And the receivers are just running into it. Um, they're running into it and not breaking the correct way. Um, if you go read Justice's um, uh, tweet thread on it, but the, the 49ers are like, keeping safeties in the center of the field and uh, the Packers are running receivers basically right at them and having them cut toward them so they don't create any space. And it just seemingly makes no sense. It looked like a McCarthy plan where you're sending guys just out on uh, on out and stick and, and comeback patterns um, with over and over again with no motion or creativity or play action or anything like that. Not trying to take the top off, not trying to do anything cool mesh. And uh, he deserves a lot of blame for the late game plan and for not adjusting to what the 49ers were trying to do. Um, it was it was bizarre to see out of him. It reminded me of some of the some of the game plans we've yelled at him for before that are usually, I think, on the road on the West Coast. Um, like I think they had one against the Raiders where it was just a bizarre 50 shotgun dropbacks, all the same play. Uh, it seems to happen to him once in a while. And uh, maybe maybe the 49ers just figured out the way sort of to uh, get the Packers into those passing formations and sort of make that same thing happen. But he did not adjust well. Um, it was it was a rough game plan. Hmm. What about Aaron Rodgers? Because uh, we mentioned the Jones throw, but it's it's also the Lazard. You know the the it, I'm throwing to Devonte deep with Lazard over the middle. That's the one everyone highlighted. But no, just but in, just in general, <laughs> Lazard was open over the middle, and also uh, ESB was open. He was open deep. He was open deep for left. six. Yeah, um, that's true. The Deguera one too. Um, I, I think goes under the radar a little bit but that was going to convert a first down and prevent a punt um and he almost had it and maybe should have caught it but it was also a rushed and bad throw that aaron made um <laughs> there were also plays there's a play in the first quarter where deguara was open over the middle yeah. and it was before the deguara drop so it wasn't even like it wasn't vengeance. he had hit the you're dead yeah. to me point yet yeah <laughs> yeah it, it i mean can eyes that are untrained like mine just said well he lost faith in everybody except Devonte adams i, I, I don't know if and that's the aaron jones it. so and it, yeah, aaron sure. rogers aaron rogers throwing to everyone who isn't Devonte adams was like one one catch for nine yards or something like that yep just that he one didn't even conversion. target a wide receiver until the fourth quarter yep. didn't even target another wide receiver until lazard caught a six-yard pass for a first in the down. fourth quarter that doesn't make <laughs> any sense that the, doesn't make any sense it makes no sense the only time he targeted cobb at all by the way cobb was double covered as well and Lazard was also open over the middle. Um, that was a super dangerous throw that he never should have made. Here's the thing you can say about Aaron in this game. Like the 49ers have a known vulnerability on deep balls. But the the, uh, the one time he kind of tried it to Devontae, he had safety help over the top. The, the 49ers did lose um, Ambry, whatever his name is, partway through the game. Josh Norman played. Ambry but Thomas. the 49ers were smart about having to have Josh Norman's washed up ass out there and gave him safety help over the top. They bracketed Devontae with him. Um, and Aaron tried to pick on Josh Norman, but it's hard when he has help. But when they gave him help, though, the other guys were open all the time. They didn't. There was no help there. And um, they were often covered okay. But at some point, you got to challenge that. you got to give Lazard a chance. 
And Rodgers, you know, fear slash conservatism on throwing interceptions hurts you in that scenario. On um, you know, he'll give Devonte everything one on one, no problem. If he sees Devonte one on one, it's the ball's coming. But Alan Lazard one on one, even against a kind of garbage corner. He's not going to do that. You actually have to still get open. And that hurt them in this game because risk-taking, I think, would have led to more points, and he just doesn't do that. Should we talk about special teams? Let's do it. We have to. Well, we already kind of did with, with crappy okay. so, uh, field goal kicking. So I'll tell you what. We're, we, already talk, we already talked about the bad field goal kick. We talked about the block punt. We mentioned um, that Debo returned to kick on, 50 yards. and um, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Amari Rogers only did one of his stupid punt catches. Did you guys notice he he cradled all but one, but one? Yeah, he he did his wide receiver catch. For, uh, but he he ran to the right and got some yards. He was fine. They still should have activated David Moore, an, but he was fine. Yeah, total non-factor either way in my mind. But uh, the the kickoff to start the second half isn't you know like if if that goes in the end zone. I think you wrote, you wrote this down here that the the 49ers end up getting three points on the drive that starts at the 50 because of Debo's return. Yep. They the 49ers made some dumb mistakes there and that that drive stalls leading to the field goal attempt. If it stalls further back, then that's not going to They don't get a field a goal attempt. So yeah. that's right. Well, Mason Crosby can no longer even kick touchbacks, especially in the cold. In the cold. Just Yeah, that's just the a last killer of Mason Crosby. Yeah. I think that's Goodbye true. Mason Crosby. Hello JC JJ Molson. That's right. It's going to put this game on ice. Um, it is a good name. But, is he uh, Canadian? No, but he is uh, connected to the Molson fortune. That is absolutely his family. I, I, I don't know exactly how. Olivia Reiner, who is with us, uh, she she now works in Philadelphia, but she was she knows him from college, I want to say. I don't oh, know if, wow. he did, if he went to Northwestern. I think that's where she went to college. Uh I'm probably mixing up all my facts, but I am all I am 98% certain that JJ Molson is legitimately part of that Molson family. Wow. So there's a, yeah, there will be lots of beer jokes in the years ahead. I'm so, well, you know, we all thought that Gerard De Beer was going to stick around specifically just for the beer joke. Tremendous upset that he's not a Green Bay Packer to this day. Unfortunate. Yeah. That that De Beer was a diamond in the rough, let me tell you. Very nice. Very yes. nice. Was he on this? Was he on the same team as Jared? As Jared Veld here? I don't think so. But, uh, uh, they. I think they both were on Arizona same time. Maybe. No. Yeah, I have no idea. No idea. Uh, JJ JJ Molson definitely did not go to Northwestern. He went to UCLA, <laughs> but there's uh, there's connection. Uh, anyway, so you mentioned or- Oren Burks hurting AJ Dillon and this team low key being terrible without AJ Dillon. Uh, man, has he turned himself into a valuable asset? You yeah. know, like, to the point that they are a they are a worse team when AJ Dillon is not available. They really um, are. And I don't know. We um, Jones got stuffed a bunch um, on first and second down. They probably shouldn't have run him quite so much on first and second down. He was obviously still quite valuable um, because of the catching, but uh, they definitely could have used Dillon for short yardage and just mauling people. He got close a few times to the end zone and ended up just pass, 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 sack, sack, whatever. That's Dylan time. That cost him for sure. And I, Sorry, I'm, I'm dying at, at uh, rundown number 10 point E. <laughs> <laughs> Corey wears tiny pants. Have you guys ever noticed it before? I've never noticed Corey's uh, tiny no, pants before. I, never have. I went back uh, because I was going to say, I was trying to make a case that the <laughs> tiny pants cost Corey in this game. But uh, it, not not the case. 
Corey always wears tiny pants and has all season, and I, I just did not know that. <laughs> just so everybody knows, Corey Boyerucka well. has, has teeny tiny football pants that he wears, and you should go find a picture of him. <laughs> And, and and look, because he he does, they're like biker. Sh- Everybody else has capri pants, and he's got biker shorts. So. <laughs> right, right, because because the the traditional football pants have elastic at the bottom, and Corey Borges's tiny pants are like biker shorts. They are. So they don't grab and at the, at the knee joint. One thing I can tell you about Corey Borges and his blocked punt and all the punts in this game was he did do his butt wiggle before all of them, and. Uh, Maybe maybe he should stop that for a little bit. Um, it's not helping. So what what we're learning is, as soon as the all twenty two came out, Paul ran to it so he could look at Corey Bajorquez's butt. No, I saw that live, and this is just a still shot. Bajorquez, <laughs> uh, this game and this season has been quite the adventure because he did have <laughs> he had a couple boomers, he had a fifty nine yarder. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this in this game, and also a total disaster punt. And then there's this punt that gets blocked, which. It's not his fault that it got blocked, but in real time, in my mind, he was moving so slowly, getting that ball into the air. Like I, I, I told you before this off mic, I really thought that that I, I thought in the moment that was going to get blocked. I thought something looked way wrong about it and just how slow it was developing. And maybe that was just my pessimism shining through. But I absolutely thought it was going to get blocked. And it, it totally was. It's like every everything went wrong on that snap. Just crazy stuff. He took forever to get it out. I, I do think he legitimately had a, a, a little snafu handling it or something like that. Um, but the blocking is what got it blocked, and that was awful. It, uh, the 49ers showed the same look earlier in the game that they blocked this punt on. Um, they overloaded the right side of the line. By the way, the Packer right side of their special teams is very, very light. It's it's like Chris Barnes um, and a bunch of other like light linebacker types. Um the guy who blocked this punt for the 49ers, whose name is eluding me at the moment, is a defensive end who weighs 270 pounds and is giant, um, and uh, ended up getting singled up on on Wordle, on Stephen Wordle, who is a teeny tiny long snapper who weighs 240 pounds. Um, it, I, I know we have a question on this later, but I did double check. Uh, nobody on the 49ers broke any rules about blowing up the punter. Uh, the rule on that is if you're lined up on the line of scrimmage, you have to be outside of his shoulders, and everybody was. And once the snapper has cleared the snap and stands up, you can engage him. And that's what that's what happened here. <laughs> Wordle stood up and he got trapped. He got trapped standing up. He did not get low. If you're a long snapper, I think the only rule that you have is uh, hit the guy in front of you in the guts. Don't engage him at the chest level. And he basically got stood up and carried into the backfield. Um, that is a that should never happen. It's a complete disaster that it happened. But even though that happened. Um, Henry Black needed to assist him. Henry Black was in the backfield checking out the rush and actually earlier in the game had this exact thing happen and he did slide over and help pick up um, an overload on the right side. Here, he actually steps around Wordle, who's being pushed into him to clear into the the secondary to start heading downfield. Not entirely his fault and I don't know what he could have done, but... uh, he was definitely supposed to be helping out on the overload side, and he didn't. So, um, I, again, this is mostly, I think, coaching and partly personnel because uh, Stephen Wordle did not acquit himself well in his short time as a Packer. I don't think he'll be back either. Are there any players who are tr- typical special teamers that you think this that should stay? 
<laughs> Oren Burks, maybe? Oren, Oren Burks is the only one I can think of. Yeah. Yeah. Who else? Because it's not like the backups were like Harry, Harry Black is not a good safety. Oh, He's... hey, by the way, on, on the subject of uh, um, special teamers, Isaac Yadam. Who had just been yeah. cut? Yeah, as I was, a special teamer. I was going to mention that because... he took to tw- he he took to Twitter to defend Mo Drayton. Oh dear! <laughs> it's like, bro, you're not you're not going to get your job back saying nice things about Mo Drayton. Boy, are you Especially not? Because he ain't going to be the special teams coach yeah, next yeah. year. That's not the guy you want to align yourself yeah. with at all. Yeah. So, like five minutes after the game, he posted something along the lines of like, "Coach Mo is not, never was the problem." I mean, this is a tale as old as time. The players saying they, they need to execute better to make the coach look better. They're not wrong. Of course, that's true. But like, it's just a wholesale change, maybe. I also, mean, like the coach needs to go over and slap Tyler Lancaster on the back of the head and go, what the hell's wrong with you? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like that's that's a that's a coaching failure. I don't care. Like, like execution. Oh, by the way, a couple times really is quick execution. If, if you want to criticize the, the the why the Packers were overloaded on the right side. OK, like uh, you do need faster guys on special teams. But the right side of the Packer line is uh, starting with center Stephen Wordle, who's 240 pounds, Chris Barnes, um, McDuffie, who is not a big guy. And then Tyler Davis, who is like 235 pounds yeah. soaking wet. That is the entire right side of the line that the 49ers lined up five guys against. Uh, with Henry Black in the backfield to help. Uh, it's frankly kind of incredible they didn't get anything blocked earlier. <laughs> this is twice now that a, a a Packers team that I think we all thought could definitely win the Super Bowl loses a game in the playoffs where special teams played a major, major role because you obviously have the onside kick against Seattle and the John Ryan fake field goal turned into a touchdown back in the early part of 2015. We this is the the bigger the bigger story here is that the Packers no matter who the coach is just struggle with this and now oh. this is a different general manager everything has changed about this Packers team except the quarterback and the kicker so why does this continue and well, is there a way to fix it can you well, fix that well, Jr. Yes, the Packers attempted to fix it in 2019, kind of. Uh, oh, what's his name? He's a special teams coordinator for the Saints. Riz Rizzy Riz. Uh, <laughs> anyway it's, it starts with an r in italian i know that yeah the the packers offered this guy like an embarrassingly low contract and he gave him the finger and went to the saints saints went on to have some of the best special teams in the league over the last three years they sure did years. yeah and, and the packers and got mo packers got well they got menenga first when this would actually happened but well, yes. yeah sean menenga it didn't get better i mean so ha- you say it happened in the Thompson era because the end of the roster was so weak because of just the UDFA philosophy that Ted did, uh, and because they were good. They didn't draft particularly high. They didn't spend on free agents to fill gaps, especially on special teams. So that was that was a choice. That was a, you're just not that talented, and we don't care about special teams that much. Um, more recently, though, I'm not sure exactly what, I think it's different now. Um, I think, yeah, maybe the end of the roster is still not great, but it seems like a discipline issue and a coaching issue more than a talent issue at this point. Um, so I think this is more fixable, to be perfectly honest, and uh, it wasn't before. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it it uh, it keeps happening, and it keeps happening in ugly, ugly ways that kill them all the time. I know this goes back to when I said special teams. Yes, you could say it's going to cost you game, but it also might not. And 
in this game, like that's why I still look at the offense. I mean, as bad as it was, all-time terrible special teams performance, it still comes down to a field goal at the end, and you still, as the Green Bay Packers, scored only 10 points in a game where you were awesome on the first drive and scored a touchdown. So, like, that that to me is the thing. And, I I, I mean, it, it's not like you have to pick why they lost. There's, yeah. there's two very good reasons, the offense and the special teams. But, like, this offense is built to overcome that. 10 times out of 10 well nine nine times out of 10 um <laughs> there's no there's even with a block pawn touchdown the most catastrophic of special teams miscues and a black field goal that could have made a difference they still well, should have won the game they, they still, still should have won it. they still should have won you're right with the passing with the passing of meatloaf the song should not be called two out of three are bad <laughs> baby we could talk all night oh boy so but yes uh, two 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 out of three are bad. I think the the worst part of it is that the defense gave us what we thought they might be if they had Jair Alexander and Zedaria Smith back. They were outstanding. They did not allow a touchdown. And um, you can see winning the Super Bowl with this defense coming together at the right time and the offense just playing normally. And then the offense comes out and just shits like? the bed. Didn't didn't uh, San Francisco only have like 170 yards of offense? It's very low. I don't know what the exact is, but yeah. I mean, the last two games they have against Jimmy in the playoffs, he has like uh, 23 completed passes, <laughs> something like that. Um, so and Jimmy in the playoffs makes a really good doo-wop band name. It does. Um, so per Football Outsiders, this was the worst special teams performance of the season by any team in the NFL. Um, they had a negative 30.8% DVOA in this game and just puts a cap on the Packers season that they seem to put up every year. Um, they also had the third worst performance um, of the season against the Bears. Outsiders does not count uh, onside kicks in their special teams ranking because they consider them to be random. But uh, if you do count the Packers uh, onside kick, they lost to the Bears in that game. The Packers have the first and second worst performances of the year on special teams. And uh, it it matters a lot. They did a nice article. It doesn't even take it. Yeah, they did a nice article say, running down. T- oh, go ahead, Jr. <laughs> no, no, no. I was. Gonna, it doesn't even take into account that they put ten guys out on the field for the last. Step. Oh, we so no, we didn't even that. do that. Wow. Like, God, just embarrassing. I mean, you, you go through the whole. They're game. gonna make the field goal anyway. I, I know they're gonna make it anyway. I know it doesn't like, matter. It's it, just like. like it's a, like it's such an embarrassment after you go through that whole game, just screwing up the whole game, and then you get to the last play, and then, yeah, it doesn't matter. But you you can't put the right amount of people out there. It's just asinine. Yeah. Goodbye, Mo Drayton. Yep. No, it's so okay. On the subject of Mo Drayton, we need to talk about what I saw. That was awesome. You should describe it. Incredible. Incre- absolutely <laughs> so, incredible. So good. So, so good. So, so if if you've never done a tour of Lambeau Field before, your tour starts in the atrium and you you all stand next to a, a sign and your tour guide talks about the atrium and and the um, renovation and all that. And so above the 1919 restaurant is a bunch of office space, including like media and whatnot. And the tour guide goes, yep, and up and up in those offices over there is the Packers social media team. No one else in my group looks. I look up. <laughs> And in the window of the office is a very large cutout of Mo Drayton's face. Yep, <laughs> there sure is. And the lights are off and that office is closed. So the Packer social media team put a picture of Mo Drayton in the window and then dipped. 
If you want to see and it, you as should you point go out, to Matt's Twitter feed and see it because he took a picture to his credit. <laughs> as you point out, the Green Bay Packers social media team is not one of the more, um, I, I wouldn't say adversarial, but like what, what we've seen with some of these pro sports teams brands is they'll, they'll, you know, poke the bear and like interact with other teams and, and maybe like trash talk, do a little trolling. We don't really see that from the Packers. And honestly, that's probably fine. That's fine. Oh. They're, they're above it. But like, that's not, it's not typical for them to do something that implies they have an opinion. The the phrase I used was hamstrung and milk toast. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, Quite honestly, there is a lot of wisdom to doing social the way the Packers do it. A lot, a lot of wisdom. Just take a look at the Milwaukee Bucks, who I happen to think are great on social. But just this past weekend, they uh, there was an incident where Grayson Allen had a hard foul on Alex Caruso, and they every every morning post a gif of the uh, a gif of the next next day's game it's game night you know get excited and they have a player eating a donut like it's the morning but you know get ready for the game that's later on tonight well the next day they happen to play the, the sacramento kings the day after grayson allen's foul put alex caruso out for six weeks with a with wrist surgery and uh it's grayson allen eating a donut being chill like hey get ready for the game tonight <laughs> the bulls did not like that nope, the nope. bulls the bulls responded with a seriously and uh it blew up it was a big deal yep so uh the bucks are great on social i love them but you know, there's some wisdom to just playing it down the middle. There is, there is. So, um, outsiders ran the numbers for all of the worst special teams performances in playoff history. Uh, uh, top, they did a top ten list. Uh, the Packers have committed three of the ten. Um, this game, and then two against Atlanta, which is kind of crazy. Um, they point out Atlanta actually is on the receiving end of five of those games. but So the Packers have three three out of ten, and the Seattle game doesn't make it, even though they have the Bostic play and the uh, fake punt for a touchdown because onside kicks don't count. But, uh, I mean, onside kicks should count in that game too. Uh, but also worth noting that the Packers also won the Super Bowl um, l- largely because of special teams, and the 1996 Patriots have the ninth worst special teams grade, for giving up the touchdown to Desmond Howard and a couple big punt returns. So um, special teams really matters a lot. <laughs> it can, in fact, win you slash lose you the Super Bowl occasionally. Uh, and did. So, JR, do you, do you remember Paul earlier, I believe it was earlier this season, explained what is expected out of a punt returner? Uh, no. Tell me again. No fumbles and 10 yards. Uh, yes. Well, that is what is expected. That's uh, not what we got. De- well, I was going to say Desmond Howard got no fumbles and thirty yards twice. Yep, and a, and a kickoff return. So touchdown. he he yeah. So he was good for seven points and six first downs. This is why he was Super Bowl MVP. Yeah. <laughs> and um, the- let me roll through a few. Uh, go ahead. Go no, ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just going to hit some rapid fire because questions are looming here, but uh, some rapid fire questions are looming. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, Rashawn Gary was a beast. Yep. He's totally worked out. Congratulations to him. He's a superstar. Well, super, not maybe it, but star, he's star player. Um, I going back to the Mercedes Lewis fumble, George Kittle dropped a touchdown, which is like seeing a Sasquatch in the wild. So <laughs> I definitely thought those two things sort of evened out. There's no yeah. question in my mind. George Kittle uh, would have, would have scored there. And the, the, the Packers caught a huge break, crazy break that the Packers caught when Kenny Clark did not sack Garoppolo late in the first half. And he went ahead and threw an interception to Adrian Amos that was near the goal line. Yep. Jimmy Garoppolo is really bad at this. And uh, the Packers Packers and, and 49ers traded breaks here. Elijah Mitchell, with the rare offensive uh, as an offensive player, getting the personal foul face mask 
that uh, cost them a chance to be on the two yard yep. line. That was a field goal drive. And uh, Eric Stokes having a pick six just gifted to him. Oh, that's looking for the tackle. Jimmy Garoppolo throws just a terrible ball, terrible ball. And it was definitely pickable and touchdownable. Uh, Eric Stokes made it, made the play. I mean, you can't, it's, he's just the, the ball skills will come. He just yep. working, working on that, but uh, not, not a bad first year for Eric Stokes at all. And uh, yeah. I think he's going to be a pretty good player, but ooh, wish he was keeping his set up on that play. Yep. I also wanted to mention that the Packers had a fourth and two in the second quarter with seven minutes left. And uh, the Baldwin bots and the fourth down bot both had him as a mild go for that. And they ended up trying to induce enough sides, which did not work. And they took a delay of game penalty and punted. So I want to men- mention that one too. We saw a lot of aggressive fourth down plays this weekend, especially out of the the Bills, and it paid big dividends. And the Packers didn't have many of them. This is the only one. Uh, it would have been risky for sure, but I think they probably should have done it. Well, at least they didn't burn a timeout. <laughs> <laughs> it's mild improvement. Yeah, yeah, true enough. All right, before we get to questions, J.J. Molson is, in fact, eighth-generation Molson family, uh, the uh, the beer empire. Eighth generation is J.J. Molson, so we can expect All the right. beer jokes to to floweth. Do you, do you think that he's J.J. Molson the eighth? I don't. I don't. I, well, I it could am. Be. I am. J. John J. Molson. Molson. John Molson was the patriarch. I don't know. After eight generations in your 1700s, do you get to be the patriarch still, or is there a bigger name for that? I don't know. But uh... eight, The eight-triarch. <laughs> Jeez. That's so stupid, but I love it. Uh, okay, and, and any uh, any last thoughts before we get to the questions? Uh, I don't think so. We'll, we'll probably do a season wrap up where we can talk about the future. So let, we can. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. Let's, okay, let's so get. To, we have a lot can, of questions. Can I, yeah, do your thing. Can I preface the questions? Yes, okay, preface. so so as of right now, we are on page four of the rundown out of thirteen. Yep. What? We we are an hour into the podcast. This is when we are finally yeah, going to minutes, pull rank. Yeah. Um, yeah, 45 minutes. <laughs> only, only, Patreon, only Patreon will get their questions answered because you guys are animals. So <laughs> if you want to make sure that on, on a heavy traffic night you get your question answered, give us money. <laughs> nice, it's true. We, nice will, we will save Twitter questions for next week. We have a lot to talk about with Aaron Rodgers' future, with the future of this team in general. Yeah. Russ Ball, we turn, to, we turn our weary eyes toward you. Uh, to make your magic happen uh but uh we, we will we will get to all that stuff but right now it's just patreon questions so yeah. that you know we're not we got so many patreon questions by the way thank you to everybody on patreon for um be, for asking good questions for being patrons and for you know putting up with us for a year we really do appreciate it so let's let's answer away can i yeah i'm, I'm also gonna say this is probably the wrong place for this that we could do this at the wrap up but like i like i love this I love the feedback we've gotten and the community that's, it seems like that it's kind of been built here. Like I am not going to lie to you for the first couple of years. I thought, well, I'll help you with this podcast, but I'm not going to do this long term <laughs> because I obviously, I don't know a lot about, I don't know the, with the depth that you guys know the football and I didn't think I was a really good fit. And, but like, I have grown to just, this is like one of my favorite parts of the week. Yep. And I love hearing from people. And the fact that we have so much engagement is, um, I mean, it is is really great. I, I do the Journal Sentinel podcast, and those obviously get a fair amount of, of readership. But it's not like this. It's mm-hmm. not. There isn't a community around it. So, uh, so I, I enjoy this. I enjoy this. Yeah. All right. I love Sorry. Tuesday record night. They're great. All right. Let's answer the paying Mark people. Scarby. Mark Putscarby asks in all caps: Should the Packers put a roof on Lambeau in order to help win playoff games? The answer is yes. Yes. But not really. Yeah. I mean, 
you know what even even i am coming around to the idea that quote-unquote football weather isn't a real thing yeah it's not um uh, oh. it's a passing league you know this is not monsters of the midway raw grinded out thing anymore it's it, it that's cold weather football this is all precision aeronautics you want it to be nice you want a good environment for this <laughs> so <laughs> i can't wait for northrop grumman to get their own team yeah. I do feel like the Packers are or a little Lockheed bit. Martin. Yeah, they're kind of in like a an almost like Rockies kind of situation where it's very hard if you're the Colorado Rockies with your stupid altitude to build a team that's capable of winning both in Colorado and on the road in normal places because um, it, you just build muscle memory for your home park with balls breaking less severely and things like that. It hurts you on the road. It's not like the Rockies have never done it before, but it's tricky. Um, and you know they're right now they're a dumb franchise run by morons, but um, I, I do think they have it against them. And the Packers, um, I do think it's tricky to build a team that's going to be a good regular season team that's a, a you know high flying passing offense, which is what you want as an offense, and then to get into a, a snowy, crappy game and have to turn around and and grind things out. Um, you're going to run into trouble doing that, and they have before against the Giants a few times with like Ahmad Bradshaw and Brendan Jacobs. And uh, it, it does hurt them sometimes. So it, it's tricky. It, it's I don't envy them. To their credit, the Packers have tried to build with, with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. They've tried to build up that part of it. It's just this matchup was the worst for that yeah. because you have a team capable of stuffing the runs. So, San Francisco was A.J. Dillon. Yeah, San Francisco was second against the run coming into this game in the snow game in the weather. It's just a, it's a bunch of crap coming together to stymie them again. And then A.J. Dillon getting hurt. Just very, very unfortunate set of circumstances. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I, I do think a roof would be better. I, I, I bristle at the, 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 the feedback with the Aaron Rodgers situation where you have some, some people have said, and not, not probably not a, a critical mass, but well, you know, it's just not working. Whatever it is, it's just not going to work with Aaron Rodgers. It's time to move on. And to that, I say preposterous, yeah. you know, like that's, it's, it's, it's anecdotal, not systematic. I think that's how Andrew Brandt put it on his podcast. It's, it's just bad matchups and weird plays and fluke moments. Aaron Rodgers is still mm -hmm. the best you have, but I, I guess the only way you could accept that viewpoint is if you say Aaron Rodgers isn't like what makes him good, doesn't necessarily work as well in, in zero degree temperatures. And yeah. so maybe you uh, invest elsewhere and, and stop trying to get that passing dynamo because you're going to be mitigated to a degree in the in the cold. Although, I don't know if I believe that. Like, they, they've also had great game that, that game against the Giants where they really crushed it, where Aaron Rodgers was at his absolute best. Yeah. That was a cold game, too. That wasn't 2007 cold, but it was cold. They've done I it occasionally. Uh, the, the Bears' uh, NFC Championship game in 2010, was it was a soldier, but it was cold as hell. And they they won it. Yeah, the it passing was, game wasn't good. It wasn't, game, though. though, but they still won it. They, it was a grind, but they still won it. Yeah. So it's not impossible. It's just... Um, it, it does, I think, work against them sometimes. Uh, I even wonder if this game was a day game instead of a night game. Uh, there was the the weather was beautiful during the day. It was like six, seven degrees warmer, and maybe the ball just flies a little further, and you can see better in the sun without the snow blowing in your face. Um, that, even that might have been enough for the difference. Yeah, Packers' success works against them. Day game, oh, center <laughs> of the night game. Packers had one game this year at noon at Lambeau. One. That's insane. Very weird. That is nuts. Jesse Genigen, Jesse Genigen asks, what the fuck? Also, how dare they? <laughs> <laughs> right? Totally. Totally true. Uh, I know, man. <laughs> Patrick Detmer also asking in all caps, am I correct in thinking that Aaron Rodgers absolutely believes we're living in a simulation? Yeah, I think so. 
Um, I mean, he believes. Oh man, what's that? He believes a lot of random <laughs> bad um, hypotheses about the world, and the simulation hypothesis actually has some halfway decent support as possibly being true. For those of you unfamiliar with the simulation hypothesis, uh, it is the idea that we will, in this world, eventually invent computers sophisticated enough to simulate other worlds. And given that fact and the ability to simulate more worlds than the world you're in, the odds are that you are in a simulation. Um, so that's the simulation hypothesis in, in short. And he probably believes that, yes. I mean, it's entirely possible because he likes to adapt very hard to whatever he's reading or listening to that yep. week that he just saw the Matrix trilogy and really took it to heart. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers is uh, Ted in that episode of How I Met Your Mother where they keep showing him in embarrassing situations and he answers with, but she's really hot. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tremendous comparison. Yes, yes, it is. Oh, man. It works too uh, because Ted's an asshole and, and Aaron's an asshole, so that works perfectly. It's a great yep. comp. He totally is Ted, and they and they also they also a lovable both think asshole. They're smarter a, than yeah, they are. Totally. Ted, Ted's a perfect comp. Yeah, it's a thing where he, it is a perfect comp. You love him, you think he's great, and then after time, you're like, he's kind of awful, mm -hmm. but <laughs> yeah. he's still the main like, character. Like, look, you still I can't love have this. the show without him. Yep. Yeah, it's like I love this guy, but he straight up sucks. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> R.I.P. Bob Saget. R.I.P. Bob Saget. Uh, Bob Saget. Yeah, Dr. Who's Hillbilly. old Ted? Also you know. in all caps. There's so many all caps questions. Uh, I don't know I, if that's like. I may. Not, I may have. Thing. I may have prompted this in Patreon with the the question that I asked. Because <laughs> you know it's always like I already call for questions yeah. and then I write something. I may have written swear in all caps. That may have happened. All caps. <laughs> yeah. All right, Dr. Hibbley, I have so many questions. Feel free to pick one. This is in lesser caps. <laughs> Why insist on signing Cobb, who prevented us from signing Odell, and then only target him once? I'm not sure I... Yeah, I, and target him on the worst the, play possible. He was never open I, in I this game. I didn't know that was a thing. It, so it's a, it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing, but had they not given money to... Uh, first, they could not have signed Odell Beckham, even with the, without moving a lot of money. The, the Rams upbid them substantially. But, you know, every little thing hurts, and Kevin King and Randall Cobb I've seen tossed around as... If you hadn't done this, you maybe could have done this instead. So, yeah. Oh, by the way, on the game losing run that put the Niners within field goal range. Oh yeah, Kevin King was Kevin King was playing safety. Yeah, he was. Not sure what happened so, there, but he totally was. But he made the tackle. So, <laughs> so Cobb, I'm not sure he should have played in this game um, because Cobb was coming back from. Uh, core muscle surgery, right? The same thing that knocked out Lazard for like a year, more or less, with ineffectiveness. And he was ineffective. He, he was not getting open. He was never open once in this game. Uh, it would have been better to have any other player playing his position. So um, that's, Maybe David Moore. David Moore would have been... He's not a bad comp. That would have been fine. Um, <laughs> so, yes. All right. On to Hillbilly 2. Former Packers, Randall Cobb and Kevin King. Why? line when yash held up during the last meeting why not reshuffle or the the supplement to that why not reshuffle once it became clear kelly couldn't hold up because instead of making any adjustments matt lafleur decided to instead piss down his pants yeah i, I don't get that um the, that's the big thing like why not <laughs> fix it like it's one thing if it sucks for a half but surely you you anticipated this possibly not working like you're going with billy turner at left tackle and dennis kelly at right tackle that might not work. You haven't done it before. You should be ready to switch. Who knows? That, just bizarre. 
And then the last one, why not throw to someone besides Devante? That is a question for Aaron Charles Rogers. Mm-hmm. <sighs> is it Charles? I think I did that wrong. Yes, his middle name is Charles. Oh, I got it right. Okay, great. In, in the in the words of the famous juggernaut overdub, shut the fuck up, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what that means, but that's great. Jay you've, never, you've never seen I'm the Juggernaut, bitch? I'm. It's from the first X-Men, X-Men movie, thing? right? N- yeah. Okay, so it's referenced in the first X-Men movie, but it was the original X-Men cartoon dubbed over by this guy. And it oh. went viral in like the E-Bombs world era. Had no idea. Yes. And he, he's like, yeah, yeah, this is Juggernaut, bitch. And then he like picks up Charles Xavier and throws him across the room and goes, shut the fuck up, Charles. Beat your ass. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, wow. why am I laughing? That's funny. Uh, Jay Google in all caps. Is this a top three all time dog shit performance from QB one in his career as a Packer? I don't think so. God, I'm surprised. I'm surprised Paul doesn't have it broken down by NEA. I meant shit performance. I meant to look it up, but it's it's just not like he was. He was very bad. D slash S. He's been worse. He's got he has multi interception games. Uh, he has games where he's super ineffective. So, yeah, he was bad. Well, but he, I can. He wasn't even the worst. He was better than Garoppolo was. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But I, I can think of two games where Roger was worse in recent memory. Yeah. There was one last year, this year. It was last year, right? Well, where he had like a game of like 90. The Saints game, he was worse uh, than this game. Or, uh, yeah, that's this year. Yeah. This year. Saints game was worse. And then um, the Broncos 2016. Yeah, that was not good. <laughs> He was low-key not great in 2019, and I say not great in the most relative term. I mean, obviously, yeah. Aaron Rodgers hasn't had, like, a truly bad season, but uh, 2019, when they went to the NFC Championship game against San Francisco, he had a couple duds in there for he sure. He did. He did. Mm-hmm. And, like, he needed to play better than he played in this game. Don't get us wrong, but he's definitely <laughs> he's definitely played worse a bunch of times. All right. <laughs> Tim Tim Brown, don't call me Tim Braun, which uh, which I had been doing. He's correcting correcting the sp- pronunciation as he do should. You think, do you think his middle name is Ryan? I don't. I don't. <laughs> no, I, I don't either. No, but nobody does Ryan as a middle name. And that like, hasn't happened yet. Who's Ryan Brown? Tim- That's not a guy. <laughs> That's not a guy. Uh, Tim Brown says, was the bull rush on the long snapper a legal play by San Francisco? Definitely on the block punt or de- on the San Francisco defense on the block punt. I don't think you could didn't think you could do that. You did talk so, about that. You yeah, went back you're, and it is you're not allowed to, to line up over the center and blow him up while he's still in his squad after snapping the ball. But once he is finished snapping the ball and pops up to engage, you can do whatever you want to him. And the 49ers did. That was a perfectly legal play. They lined up properly. Um, they they the, the guy who actually ran into him was like two steps off the line just to give him that time. Just ran full steam into him just as he stood up, and that's totally fine. It was it was legal, unfortunate, but true. Uh, PJ vessels, PJ nuclear vessels. Thank you for that adjustment, <laughs> Matub. Uh, no question, just a big thank you for another great season of episodes. Aw, thanks, PJ. You. you see, this is exactly what this is exactly what Jr. was talking about. You nut bars. Start doing this community thing and making us get the warm and fuzzies, and then we keep making this content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <sighs> I still hate you, Matab. Alex Lamer says, "Can you walk us? <laughs> can, can you? <laughs> can you walk us through the options with Rogers and how it affects the cap? Staying in Green Bay, retiring, or a trade? Would the Packers potentially try to package another big contract with Rogers in a trade to get a bigger haul? So this is the this is something I think we'll spend more time on." Next time, but maybe maybe some Cliff's Notes versions here, Paul. Matt, see. Matt, do you know the retire the retirement um, fallout if he retires? Um, <laughs> uh, 
I'm pretty sure the the retirement is treated the same as a post June first cut. Is it per- okay? So it's June first. It so uh, the, yeah. The bottom line is, um, if they cut him or trade him, it costs them twenty six million dollars against the cap. If you June first him, you can do some shenanigans with moving money into the next year. Um, but fundamentally, that's what it is. It's twenty six million dollars that you got to deal with. If you keep him, he counts. If you don't restructure, he counts forty six million dollars oh. against the cap. Okay. Apparently, if someone retires, you retain their rights and their cap hit disappears. Oh, really? Oh, that, mm-hmm. well, that's nice. Root for that. That's why I, I was trying to find it and I couldn't find uh-huh. it. Uh, the the exemption. Oh, here we go. This is this is why I was thinking Aaron doesn't change. The exemption is a player who is thirty five plus and signed a multi year contract. Ah, uh, that player retires. The cap the cap hit remains. Okay, there you go. So it's still there. So if he stays, if he sticks on the team. They cannot pay him $46 million next year. Um, I mean, they can't have a cap hit of $46 million next year. So if they keep him, they have to restructure him. They have to push money into the future, into more void years. And that's just how that has to happen. That's how it's set up right now. If they trade him, there's nothing you can do about that. It's $26 million in dead money. Um, It saves them $20 million over if they keep him, if they don't restructure him. That's what you're looking at. So um, any trader cuts the same, same phenomenon um, the the bonus money comes due immediately, and and that's what you're hit with. So that's what you're looking at with Aaron. Uh, keep and extend, and push that money off into the future, or trade slash cut, and it's twenty six million dollars either immediately, or if June first is involved, uh, spread between two seasons. Okay, and that's it. I can't believe we went from juggernaut to discussing retirement <laughs> and didn't get a retire bitch reference but uh we made retire it. Bitch. i should mention i'm I'm, through. I'm bad at the cap and always ask text to explain it to me so I, if i get anything minorly wrong there totally possible but that's the gist of it it's 26 versus 46 and i always details may I always be slightly different ken yeah ken, go see ken ingles he now, always explains it uh and my understanding is the cap is going to expand after the 2022 season. So how does that play into it? I mean because we've talked about how Rust Ball just put, kicks the can downstream, doesn't doesn't that mean that you just keep kicking it until the salary cap gets bigger? So yes. Yes, yes. That's, essentially that's what yes. The Saints yes. do. That's I mean <laughs> the thing is here, nobody knows exactly how big it's going to get, but it will get bigger there's new deals coming into play when money grows the salary cap grows so yeah you can you can punt it down the road with the expectation that you have more space but even doing that uh eventually the piper comes due and it still puts you at a competitive disadvantage against the other teams who also get expanded cap but don't have dead money taking away from it and can still outbid you for things so it it doesn't you know put you in the over the cap situation and also also sometimes there's a global pandemic and the cap yeah, shrinks. And the cap shrinks. <laughs> that happens sometimes yeah. too. <laughs> um, I think it was, this is only slightly related. Dusty Evely, I think is the guy who wrote today after it was news came out that Sean Payton was retiring something to the effect of, I bet Sean Payton has a clause that if he retires, Taysom Hill's contract becomes automatically guaranteed, <laughs> uh, which made me laugh. <laughs> and then someone posted, I think, a major like the ringer or something posted the gif of uh ralph ralph wiggum on uh on simpsons Taysom hill with news that sean payton is uh is retiring i'm in danger <laughs> <laughs> uh former 
Saint Taysom Hill. Uh, Alex Lamers asks, does the rolling special teams catastrophe all season mean there is a deeper institutional failure that we should all be worried about going forward? Kind of touched on this. Yeah, we did. But yes, there is. <laughs> they should they should burn <laughs> yes. it down and start there's over. So many, there are so many rolling references I want to make in response to that. Like you just, just keep rolling, rolling, rolling. Or uh, no. you turn what your hat you, backwards now. Yeah. What, what you know about rolling down in the deep. Um, eh. There's a good soul eh. coughing song uh, called Rolling. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I only know. I only. I think I know that just two soul coughing songs. Can you guys, can you guys not talk about '90s grunge music <laughs> for just one week? They're not grunge. They're acid um, jazz. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> I, need that. I need that in a soundboard. <laughs> I forgot, uh, by the way, that Chris Barnes plays special teams. So there are two two special teams players that should be kept when they tear it down and burn it burn yeah. it down and try again. Jason Spitz, <laughs> Jason Spitz asks, "I'm going to assume it's over that Rogers, Adams, Jones are gone, Jones." And that uh, and that a pretty severe rebuild will be underway shortly. Do you trust Murphy Goody with that rebuild? I wish I had more confidence in the brain trust. I also wish we could reinvent Ron Wolf in this prime and give his full power back. Give him full power like the good old days. Uh, man, I trust Gutekus. He had a great year, I yeah. thought. Um, I, I trust him, too. I think that they're a smart, savvy front office. And they've played this, you know, aside from Aaron being a weirdo, they've played it pretty well. Um, Jones, by the way, will probably be back. Um, if you cut him outright, he costs you a million bucks. If you June first, I mean, you you can save money. Um, so maybe they do that because they you know don't spend money on running backs. But uh, it's it's not so quite as the simple. exact numbers. Exact numbers are pre June first. It costs you seven fifty. Oh, that's not too bad. Okay, seventy uh, seven hundred fifty thousand. Right. Um, Post June first, it saves you five hundred. Five million. Five million. So okay, so maybe they do do that. Maybe Jones is gone. They're going to need all the cap space they can get. Um, they should not have. So it, it'll cost three million him. to cut him, but you'll save. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, they extended him to try and appease Aaron Rodgers. But like, I think that, that Russ Ball is still on this team, and so in terms of cap manipulation, they still are experts in it. And Gudikinst has been very good in talent evaluation. So um, I think they'll handle a teardown fine. I think they have. Uh, if Rodgers moves on, it's very clear what they have to do, and I don't think they'll be stupid about it. I think that they will handle it fine uh, and you know do what needs to be done to get them back. So that's fine. They're not going to do better. Um, think about all the crap teams in our division who've been through so many bad front offices and coaches just trying to get to where the Packers are. Like These guys have been running it. Like Let them, let them do it. Gutekunst has signed a bunch of good people. He's found bargains. He's found Russell Douglas. Like, um, that's a guy you want running things. That's yeah, totally trust him. Stephen Kurtz yes. asks: <laughs> Is the uh, 2010 playoff run and Super Bowl win the outlier in the AR era? I mean, I'll, on the surface, of course it is. They were the sixth seed. They had to fight to get into the playoffs. They then won three road games, as the uh, was the 1250 that calls it the magic carpet ride. I mean, it was it was a total everything went right moment, except as you pointed out either last week or the week before, they were number one in DVOA. They were. So they weren't. They were a sneaky great team that had to fight and claw to get into the the playoffs. But uh, but I mean, you you don't expect any six seed to just go win three road games on route and, and then win the Super Bowl. So yeah. that's that well, is an I outlier. Mean, we we just watched a six seed win too. 
Yeah, I know. Well, it's, Pittsburgh Steelers did it. Pittsburgh Steelers were a six seed and won the Super Bowl. It's yeah. it's it's been done. I'm just saying you don't expect it. That is an outlier. Heck, it's an outlier in the fact that they weren't a top two seed. They do this more often than not. Yep. I I just feel like, I mean, I feel like the Seattle season. I mean, they had that game one. That game was one. It required something totally random and totally uh, you know impossible to predict to cost them a chance to go to the Super so, Bowl that year. Um, something I just reminded of. You mentioned the the list of fifteen things in the Seattle game. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Zach Cruz, now of Packers Wire, back then was writing for Cheesehead TV. He wrote an article of like twenty one things that all sure. absolutely had to go Seattle's way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it, it is extensive. Yeah, like that is that might be the luckiest game by a single team. Ever. Probably is probably like yeah. even even more lucky than like the immaculate reception. Like. Yeah, that was pretty lucky, but all Super Bowl wins are outliers. That's the thing. Um, and uh, Brady's an outlier for having as many as he does. But all, it takes luck and skill to actually win the thing. It's a single elimination tournament, and yeah, it it, it should be viewed as an outlier because it, it absolutely is an outlier. But they should have had a few more, and and they just had bad luck and weird crap happen to them. So, um, you know, football's hard. It's it's hard to win things in single elimination tournaments repeatedly. It's very difficult. And in a salary cap league, there obviously there are still haves and have nots in the NFL. But in the playoffs, there aren't as many. The, the despair. I mean, we had a really bad weekend, the first weekend in the wild card round. But the divisional round, like all these teams are good. Yeah. They're all good. Like even, yes, the Packers should have beaten San Francisco, but that's a good team. Like there's not going to be a lot of difference between any of these teams. And we've seen home field advantage erode over the last several years, yep. not just pandemic related. Although that that turned home field advantage into almost nothing in the NFL. So. It's like you said, I just think it doesn't matter how good you are. You're never going to be good enough to just blow your way into a Super Bowl there. I felt like maybe those those Cowboys teams or the 49ers teams in the mid 90s that won 49ers Super Bowl run or even the Packers in 96. Like those teams were the best team in football. It was preordained and it happened. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's going to happen anymore. I think it, it, it requires a fluky finish. Certainly, every team that's still alive can say they've had a fluky finish because all four games came down to the last absolutely the last snap. So that's crazy. Um, you, you just got to get away with it. Packers didn't get away with it. That's all. Yeah, I mean, Buffalo's going to be talking about giving up a field goal in 13 seconds for the next decade, and it happens sometimes. Uh, speaking of special teams, if they squib kick it, they're going to. They are. Oh, <laughs> they screwed that up so bad. Uh, yeah, but that's a that's a that's a retro like hindsight thing. I feel like because oh, what if they squib kick it and they screw that up and the guy returns it to the fifty? There were no, people not, in real. No, there no. were a lot of people in real time saying they need to squib kick it, and uh, you don't even yeah. need to necessarily squib it. You you can just do a pop up to the five, and, and you know yeah. force either that's an, what they should have done. Force 100%. either a, a, yeah, a fair catch at a five or kick. yeah or a small return to waste yep. time. It, it puts them in a really bad situation. So um, that was the I way to go. I agree with you. SpongeBob uh, says, "Not SpongeBob." Uh, uses a name that I love, <laughs> Senor Bob. My Senor bad. Bob. Senor Bob. <laughs> Senor Bob. <laughs> my eyes are already glazing over. This hasn't even been that long, and my eyes are glazing over. Beat writer Matt Schneider of the Athletic speculated that Rodgers and a franchise tagged Adams will net Green Bay four first round picks, two second round. Uh, what What are the Packers likely to get back in a Rodgers trade? Does Adams on franchise tag have trade value? Um, Rodgers gets at least two first round picks yeah. and a young player on a rookie contract who is ascending like the only realistic trade I've ever heard out of this has been two firsts, Jerry Judy and a defensive starter. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, 
you're getting an MVP level quarterback for a year. You're going to get two firsts. I agree with that. Um, the problem with Matt's Matt Schneidman's particular trade is it's difficult for one team to trade a whole bunch of first round picks um, at the same time. It happens occasionally, but, but there the Broncos are, could do it this yeah, year. Yeah, they could. They have a lot. Um, there are some rules around it. So they could do it. Um, but, uh, it, and you also have the salary cap to fit tagged Adams and um, a Rogers restructure, which again, you could maybe make that work too. Um, but yeah, it's worth something like that. Um, it's just, I'm not sure Denver's going to do that whole thing <laughs> just to get both of them in there. Um, you know, maybe they will, but uh, uh, you, don't, you, you do want to shop around a little bit when you do these kinds of things. You want people bidding against other people to get the maximum out of it. But uh, like something like, uh, I, I'm not sure Adams is going to get you two more first rounders. Uh, he's very good, but he's going to be expensive no. and old. Um, so I think I think you maybe get more like th- well, combined. Seattle, <laughs> Seattle was stupid enough to give up a first for a safety who plays linebacker. That's true. Just for just for the opportunity to pay him. It happens. It happens. If if they manage this trade, do they? This is fodder for another week. Do you think? Do you think Jordan Love is the next quarter quarterback of the Green Bay Packers? Or do you I, think, I think somebody else? I think Jordan Love is the de facto next quarterback of the Green Bay. Packers. I think if they want to tank, he's I don't the mean... appropriate selection. All right, all right, but they're not going to tank. Why would they tank? There's a lot of really good quarterback prospects. In 2022, right, not 2022, right. 2023. Well, like the, the the 2022 graduating class, yeah. I should say. Sure. Um, still the 23, I think, but Ted Johnson on a scale of one to, Oh, Jesus Christ. What is this? How bad will the Packers be with Jordan love at the helm of a salary cap team? I, I still don't. I mean, this, this division sucks. That's the I problem. Think they win at least half the <laughs> divisional games. So uh, I, I think they're an eight and nine team at worst. I think, oh, he's, no, I, I think there are three wins. I think he's atrocious and the division is bad, which makes them less atrocious record wise. But I'd say they're like a five-win team with Jordan Love starting. Um, I I just think he's not any good at all. So I'd go like five, six. But they're not going to be bad enough to get a top quarterback pick. So that's it's a, maybe I'm overrating how many people they actually managed to bring back in salary cap hell, and they they like super tank like the Lions. But uh, I don't think so, and I think they still managed to win a few too many games with Love. But I do think he sucks. I think he's bad. I just love how you have to get that last Gotta get it in there. But I do think he sucks. But a reminder, he sucks. He sucks. Uh, I keep coming back to this, and I did hear somebody say this, but I don't feel like – I feel like we're the only people that have pointed this out. You, you're going to have to decide whether to pay love after this next year because mm-hmm. that's that's the problem with drafting a quarterback and then having him sit on the shelf for a while is that his, his clock is still ticking, and he's going to need that second contract. You have to make up your mind about it. This is where the pandemic really screwed things up because they didn't get any evaluation going into the 2020 season, and things have been pretty limited go- there, thereafter. It just it's just such a shitty set of circumstances. He's he might not be good, but they they certainly can't say for sure that he's that he isn't that he is good. They don't have enough info. So now they're up in a situation where he, you know, you're gonna have one year of him and then decide what to do next, whether you want to give him that second contract. They, they just shouldn't have drafted him. I mean, like if they could have known <laughs> that the, the pandemic would do what it's done, would last like it has, you know, maybe I don't know, maybe one maybe year's a way to, to one to year's plenty. If he plays next year, they'll know. You can tell. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You're right. You're right. They'll have they'll have the data they need. All right. Uh, let's see. 
this is this is also continuing Ted Johnson. Since Paul missed the Milwaukee Tailgate podcast this week, I'll reiterate the question that Breen and Top punted on and add some context. Both Council, Craig Council, the Brewers manager, of course, and Matt LaFleur seem to catch some flack for their success or lack thereof in the playoffs. Who do you trust more in the playoffs in their respective sports? Council or LaFleur? Who has had more success? I will answer this and say that I trust Council more because I don't believe the manager truly makes a damn bit of difference in the game of baseball. He Ooh. does. He does. But I think Craig Council does all the things right <clears throat> that he is supposed to that puts his team in the best chance to succeed. I still think it, it's less true in the playoffs than it is in the regular season, but I still think the manager has less influence over the on-field outcomes than Matt LaFleur does. And Matt LaFleur, I, I mean, I still feel like football coaches, you know, it's, it's not like the game changes in the playoffs of the NFL. So I don't know how much worse a football coach could truly be, but there have been some play calling questions the last couple of years. And that has maybe played a role in the difference between the game. Yeah. Council had a bad playoff last run. And I think that's why the question pops up. Uh, but I think that that bad playoff was almost entirely the result of Devin Williams punching a brick wall and breaking his hand right before it and just t tying up their bullpen uh, and making him not be able to do the things that he likes to do. He had some weird hitting decisions too, but I think a lot of that was based on not wanting to switch out as much as normal. I trust Council more. Council is extremely smart and runs like usually a near-perfect baseball team. Um, I trust Matt LaFleur pretty well too. But I do think he had a bad game here. I think he's had a few other bad playoff games and is a little slow to adjust when elite defenses start to slow his offense down. So I'll go with Council as well. And I, by the way, I think Council matters more than, than JR does. But he is fundamentally right that football, even if that's true in a baseball sense, football coaches matter way more than baseball managers do. So um, LaFleur has a much larger yeah. impact on the game than Council does. But I trust Council more. I mean, you know, I love Council. Yeah. I love him. I think he yep. does everything right. I just, I just, uh, what you're saying, like the, the football coach matters more to the in-game action than the, the manager controls the bullpen changes. That's it. And that's a big deal. That's a big deal. But it's, it's not as important as calling the damn plays. All right. Haha, -ha, baseball. <laughs> I, thought, yeah. I thought you might want to chime in there. <laughs> All right, Ted Johnson. Ted getting uh, greedy here. A Packers game. Paul, during a Packers game, started started a drinking game for Packers special teams miscues. Earlier this year on Twitter, Paul wisely shut the game down during the same above reference Packers game due to several miscues. Had he not, had he not, would he have been vicariously liable for inducing alcohol poisoning to his followers had said game been carried out the rest of the season? Paul, you are a lawyer. Ted asked so me, tell us, Ted's a lawyer. Ted's also a lawyer and he asks me legal questions all the time. Uh, you would not be liable. Um, there's no nothing binding or incentivizing you to do this. You're still fundamentally responsible for your own drinking. There's no dram shop law that would apply in this scenario to over drinking. Uh, I don't owe anybody a duty of care. Uh, I can go yell at people all day to drink too much and barf, and that doesn't do anything liable-wise to me. So, um, no, I would not be vicariously liable for any alcohol just... poisoning. <laughs> Matt is cracking up. I'm sorry. Now I've just imagined Paul like running into a bar and just yelling, drink too much and barf and then leaving. <laughs> what about cult leaders that influence people to commit crimes? Ah, uh, okay. Or, or Sapuku. This... <laughs> yeah. Oh my an, God. It's an interesting First Amendment question. So uh, the, the most relatable example you'll probably find is the fighting words exception to the First Amendment. And the way I like to explain the fighting, it's an actual First Amendment exception. It, I know. I know. It's, it's like, like incitement. It's, but basically. it's a stupid name. Like, it is. I was going to say, it's a stupid name. Like, stand your ground. Like. So, 
in the in the instance of a cult leader, I think it is possible they could be found liable. Um, what is punished in this instance is the conduct that the speech does create, not really the speech itself. And if you do get people to commit a crime or do something along those lines, it's reasonably foreseeable. That's probably not the right term. Lawyers don't go and yell at me. Um, you can be charged with something like incitement to violence um, or based on the fighting words exception. So a cult leader, yes. I am not a cult leader of people drinking on Twitter. Um, Bullshit! <laughs> I don't think it is reasonably foreseeable that people will drink themselves to death because I run a tongue-in-cheek drinking game on Twitter and I would be protected by the First Amendment for that reason. <laughs> I, if... if... If I joined a cult, I really hope that you're you're my leader. I, I'm very glad to have gone from special teams to no, cult what I, what I want, to the law of cult leadership. What I what I want next season is for for Paul to have a like EULA like screenshot and just like post it at the bottom of every one of his tweets about the drinking game. Jeez. <laughs> Did you read the fine prints? Okay, Philly Joel Osment. Would you rather watch the Packers lose in the playoffs? pick any game watch the 2016 election with that uncle or three opt to be waterboarded with room temperature schlitz for five minutes and in exchange only have to see the first quarter of either option one <laughs> or two uh, wait, wait the first quarter of the 2016 election though that that still includes like like months yeah right? yeah I'm, I'm gonna just watch i'll the take, the, schl I'll take the schlitz i'll take the schlitz with a packer playoff game. i've Me seen too man i've seen the packers. schlitz it's being waterboarded with it that's no good. Yeah. Right. But I, have you ever have you ever drank Schlitz? Like it's basically like waterboarding yourself. <laughs> I like Schlitz. Um, yeah, that's an extremely specific question. Yeah. I, I don't know if I have an answer. Mark Putscarby. <laughs> I just scrolled up. I see Danny Noonan creeping in from the bottom of the screen here. But Mark Putscarby again. If the Packers bring back Rogers and Adams, but are forced to lose key players like Douglas Campbell, the Smith brothers, etc., are they a Super Bowl contender next year? Or with all the talent they lose, are they more likely to win a crappy division and bow out of the playoffs early? Right. I would also point out Douglas Campbell, the Smith brothers. They're probably all gone anyway, yeah. no matter what happens. They probably are. Yeah. Um. If if Aaron and Devontae come back, they will find a way to magically sign everyone but they will shoot themselves in the foot for like the next five years it would truly be the last dance there is no coming back from dancing the cap twice in a row um but no without those guys they're not super bowl contenders something like 14 people need new contracts yeah so let's assume they lose everybody they do keep adams and rogers i do think they're contenders next year um even with a lack of depth because they will make the playoffs the division is terrible and rogers will get them into the playoffs and then the nfc is um not ascending They're, it's getting weaker tom brady will possibly be retiring that hurts tampa immensely that takes away one of the large contenders that you have there um the the 49ers who just beat us are certainly no juggernauts and beatable by a rogers team oh also uh, just breaking like 15 minutes ago, it looks like Byron Leftwich is leaving Tampa. Yeah, to do uh, what? To be Jacksonville, right? Uh, coach the Jack, coach the Jaguars. Yeah, yeah. Oh. good for Jacksonville. <laughs> um, and th it's not like the Rams are that good. At like, yeah, okay. Is our Stafford and Cup going to do this again? Maybe. Um, is that defense going to stay as good? I mean, 
it's not a good division. It's not a good conference. And with Rodgers and Adams, even without depth, a little bit of injury luck still makes you a Super Bowl front runner. Yes, they, I think they get smoked by the AFC team probably, but you know, you never know. Upsets happen there too. So yeah. I also wonder if they've caught lightning in a bottle with the defenders mentioned here, particularly Douglas and Campbell, mm-hmm. and then the Smith brothers, maybe because they're getting older too. I mean, Sedarius just missed the whole season with injury. Like, how much do you expect to get out of him? I, I, I don't know. he got a sack on accident. Yeah, he did. <laughs> it was uh, beautiful. Yeah. But All right, Danny accident. Newton. Should the Packers have just traded Aaron Rodgers back when he did those David Gruber commercials? Yeah. Ah, is prob- this an existential like would you rather have had all the heartbreak or or you know like a better shot down the road for one title or something i, I don't know i think I know. when you're gonna trade aaron Rodgers, who's you have david to, gruber yeah let me finish let me finish let me we'll finish talk. let me finish uh what, <laughs> when you have to trade aaron Rodgers, you want to get as many teams as possible bidding on him and so you need to be able to make more than one call <laughs> yes yes uh david gruber Matab is a w- extremely well-known name in Milwaukee. He has an endless array of commercials. He is a lawyer, a law firm, a uh, personal injury law firm, I believe, in, yes, in that Milwaukee. Is, that is correct. And he is, he, he is on a, TV every commercial break of every sporting event. So he's and, a local uh, commercial ambulance chaser. Uh, yes. Well, yeah, I guess, but... You know, he he's not chasing because he's like, the last thing you want to do is drive your car through Milwaukee traffic. We'll come to you. They're not chasing ambulances. They're driving to houses. So but, we um, we have one of those. Everybody's got so, one. But uh, yeah. everyone's Hank, got one. Hank Azar, the strong arm. Nice. Did you get nice. in a motorcycle accident? Call the strong arm. I believe in Detroit. It's Jumana K. Ruse. It is. is you are board, correct. But, Yes, but uh, in Milwaukee, David Gruber, huge sports fan. Uh, you'll find him on, you know, not far from the from the floor at Bucks games. Uh, he's 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 done several commercials wearing like Brewers apparel and stuff like that. Uh, very low key guy is, is my understanding in person, like just very chill and and kind of reserved. That is not the persona you see on the commercials. Yep. But uh, you know, good good sports fan gives a lot of money to the sports programs and stuff. So like he he knows I, I have to, no problem with him. He knows how to work himself into the community. That is for sure. <laughs> that is for sure. Uh, we do have a, a great deal of Twitter questions, as mentioned, but we 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 simply can't. Do We're at an now. hour and a half, and we to... have so many. We will we will do a season wrap up show <laughs> next week ish sometime. Well, for those for those following along, we still have five pages of the rundown. <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we're we gonna we're gonna do like Russ Ball and uh, just uh, just push push them down the road till yep. the till the next podcast. Yep. So yep that that'll do it for us. Um, before we get out of here, as per usual, JR, anything, anything good at the JS? I mean, I did do that misery index of the, the, if you, if, if people are interested in reading about heartbreak, uh, the, the Packers playoff losses, sort of ranking them uh, a lot of Aaron Rodgers stuff, I think coming down the pike at oh, yeah. some point here. Um, I I've got, uh, you know, it, it remains to be seen, obviously what happens with him, but, uh, in the event that he does decide to go elsewhere, we'll have lots of, uh, best of content. Uh, for uh, for for Mr. Rogers and his tenure with the Green Bay Packers, uh, I did a story that I was really happy with. I don't know if I mentioned it last week uh, that it was going to happen. I don't think so, but I got to talk to the showrunner for the HBO show Station Eleven. Oh, it is a it is a it is a pandemic show. I was just talking about HBO this Max with my wife the other day, and now I'm interested in it. So cool. Yeah, it is. Um, 
you know, the barrier of entry for any pandemic show or, or, or dystopia show, I'm sure is very high right now. They started filming right before the pandemic set in. They got two episodes in before they had to pause everything. Uh, but it is, it is not your typical like dystopian pandemic. It's, it's centered around just really cool characters. There's kind of a joyful heart to it. I mean, it's not all like flowers and rainbows or anything, but it definitely, it definitely meditates on like, you know, I, I think survival is insufficient is sort of the tagline they were going with. Survival is insufficient. So like how how art and how, you know, beauty and things, whatever. It's, it's a really joyful show. I really, really loved it. I loved it, loved it, loved it. And then I got a chance to talk to the showrunner, a guy by the name of Patrick Somerville, who is a Green Bay native, whose grandfather, his uh, architectural firm built Lambeau Field. So uh, handed down through his family, he has tickets on the 45-yard line. He was flying, as I was talking to him, from LAX to, to Appleton, Green Bay, I'm not even sure, uh, to, to go to the game. He was there with you guys cool. and uh, really enjoyed that. So uh, if you, if you want to go back, that's at jsonline.com. Uh, I got to marry two of my favorite things, which is sports, Wisconsin sports, and uh, high-level peak, peak TV, elite TV. Very nice. My, uh, my, Very favorite, nice. my favorite two things. It was, it was a good time. Matt, do you have anything on? worth uh promoting no i i i i don't make content just right. make sure that you go to appleton coffee company use code re at checkout also packerland breakfast brand will continue to be on sale until the end of the super bowl nice you should also go you look post at apc chats that's where that's content. okay that's yes. Slack so chats. follow me on twitter that's the only place where i produce good content yeah that's where it's got uh, the mo picture uh, and uh, t- today in the apc slack chat has become a pretty popular mm-hmm. uh tweet series also true <laughs> So <laughs> very good. very true all right and uh i have my article going up at the shepherd express momentarily breaking all this stuff down and uh, i am also in the process of going through the blocked punt in excruciating detail for acme packing company again if you like heartbreak and want to see a uh, bad special teams play design that'll be up shortly too so that'll do it for us this week we'll be back soon we'll do a season wrap up we'll we'll get to you you people in twitter at least if the patreon people don't ask us 18 more questions <laughs> Um, of course, you can get question priority for uh, by going over to Patreon and giving us a little sponsorship. Um, be on the Tailgate Podcast a little more going forward as baseball season well doesn't start. Um, but uh, it, there's there's progress today. Looks like baseball might be getting getting a little bit of momentum to get back in time. So um, that'll that'll do it for us. We will talk to everybody next week. Um, I'm not going to say enjoy the off season because that's stupid, but uh, may you get a lot of chores done. I suppose. So long Goodbye Do I really have to finish? Do returns always diminish? Did I say that right? Does anybody want to joke when no one's laughing in the background? So this is how it ends. I promise to never go outside again. So long Bye